Hi, my name is Henry Rome. I'm a senior Iran analyst at Eurasia Group. And I'm Ariane Tabatabai. I am the Middle East Fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy at the German Marshall Fund. And we're thrilled to be joining uh, you today here on Conversation 6. We recently wrote a piece, the two of us, in Foreign Policy about the prospect for U.S.-Iran negotiations uh, under the next president, whether that is Donald Trump or Joe Biden, and how the U.S. Uh, administration should think that through. So, Ari, wh why, why did we write this piece, just, just to set the scene? Yeah, so we decided to write this piece uh, because there is a lot of conventional wisdom that is forming in both Europe and, and the United States about this window of opportunity that um, that seems to exist between the United States and Iran to engage uh, diplomatically and strike a deal once the next president is inaugurated. And this window of opportunity, people have argued, would essentially start in January when uh, President Biden or President Trump takes office and would end with uh, President Rouhani being um, uh, with the end of the Iranian, the, the, sorry, the... <laughs> The, uh, the end of President Rouhani's term. And so we decided to write against this uh, conventional wisdom and argue that that is not what's happening, actually, that we should not be rushing to get a new deal. Uh, because one, the presidential elections in Iran won't fundamentally alter Iran's strategic thinking, as some of our colleagues have argued. And second, uh, because the uh, Rouhani presidency doesn't actually teach us that he is key to, to diplomacy, uh, as again, people have argued. Um, the negotiations uh, in uh, on Iran's nuclear program started under his predecessor in 2012, who was the very hardline Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I think a, a a key point here that that we make is that diplomacy will be crucial for the next U.S. president uh, in in order to uh, better manage tensions with Iran and and make some progress there. But uh, we we argue that the U.S. really should not chase the the Iranians and and should not uh, see the first six months of 2021 as as a sort of deadline. Um, and and I think one one interesting factor about covering this, this story now uh, is because we, we now have memoirs out from two of the key folks involved in, or actually three of the key folks involved in mm -hmm. the nuclear agreement in some form. You have a memoir from John Kerry, a memoir from Wendy Sherman, and one from Bill Burns, all of which make for uh, very interesting reading and, and can help shed some light on, on some of these points. Now, one, one thing that, that I think any author will, will commiserate with is that there are certainly things that didn't make it into the piece. And Ari, was there anything that stuck out to you that, that didn't, didn't quite make it into the piece that's worth highlighting? <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing that you and I talked a lot about, uh, but that ultimately we did not include in the piece uh, was, uh, you know, where are there actually differences between negotiating with Rouhani and potentially negotiating with his uh, successor? And uh, we decided that, you know, on the strategic level, again, it doesn't really matter, right, that the strategic level decision making uh, doesn't really depend on Iran's electoral politics. But one area where uh, 
negotiating with Rouhani versus Ahmadinejad in the past and Rouhani and his successor in the future will really uh, be different is what happens at the working level. Uh, so, you know, the memoirs you're, you're mentioning and anyone who was uh, uh, sort of involved in the previous negotiations with Iran will tell you that uh, there was a big difference in the way that uh, the Iranians were negotiating under Ahmadinejad and how they were negotiating under Rouhani, that the uh, the team that was put in charge under Ahmadinejad tended to sort of kick the can, can, the can down the road and, and it wasn't as serious in, in negotiating. Uh, and that was different with, with Rouhani. And the second thing to consider this time around, too, is that, uh, you know, there is this rapport that has been built between especially if Biden wins, uh, between the people who will be entering the administration in the United States and their counterparts in Iran. And so that's not, you know, that's, that's pretty significant uh, when you're dealing with such complex matters as a country's nuclear program and potentially these other areas that the United States would want to address, including Iran's missile and regional activities. Uh, so, uh, so why did we, going back to the first question, why did we write this piece? I mean, what are the implications for U.S. policymakers, uh, you know, just a few weeks uh, before the elections? Yeah, I, I, I think a really important piece here and that I, I wouldn't want listeners to come away thinking is that is that we're ignoring Iranian politics. No, Iranian politics absolutely matter here. We both follow it very closely. And, and, and I think it, 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 it is a factor that gets overlooked a lot. But I think the point that we're trying to make is that the United States should follow Iranian politics, but it should not try to play Iranian politics. And the U.S. has a, um, a not so illustrious history of trying to do that and coming up short. And so I think the, the big takeaway here is, is you really have to treat Iran uh, in negotiations like this as a unitary actor uh, and and deliver incentives and um, and calibrated threats and to try to um, move forward that way as opposed to doing one faction um, against another. As our time runs out, I just wanted to thank everyone for listening. Thank you.